Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, this is Mel. And welcome to another Narcissistic Central show, which is going to be a great show today, and a really important show, which they all are. But uh, before we begin that, I'd just like to say thank you for all the listeners that listen in to this show from the UK. You notice, you UK people, I've put you first now, and (laughs) the US, and, and also the Australian listeners and people from New Zealand and Europe as well. And I know a lot of you pick it up in archives, and it's great we've got this sort of technology, and you can download it to iPods, and and please remember to go on to the radio show and you can find it either, uh, well, you're on it if you're listening to this, but, you know, mark it down as a favourite because then you're always going to know what shows are coming up. And also a really big thank you for everybody who did the most beautiful, beautiful birthday messages on Facebook yesterday for me. I was incredibly overwhelmed. And, you know, it's great being 44. I can't believe how happy I am in my 40s. And I think it's really important as women that we can really realize that we can just become more empowered, happier, uh, more aligned. And for people that know me and they know my history, I came out of an extremely abusive, crippled situation. And this is what it's like out on the other side. And uh, and as I was just explaining to uh, New Wings, who I've got on the line, hi, New Wings, how are you going? I'm doing well, Mel. Uh, greetings to your audience, and thanks for having me back on your show. I appreciate being here. Well, you're great. And uh, the great thing about New Wings is we've had fantastic feedback from the shows that New Wings has been on. And, you, you know, you're a fantastic contributor. You're, you're really, really uh, up on the NARC information, which is just fantastic. And also, too, New Wings uh, is very, very active out on the NARC forums and very much... Uh, in the same framework as I work with the Empowered Love series and what I do is that we're all about empowering people, we're all about healing them and all about getting them through the narc muck out onto the other side into uh, empowered beings because that's what this is all all about and uh, and as I was saying to New Wings at the start I had a very late birthday dinner last night and uh, with my partner and family and friends which was absolutely beautiful and wonderful but uh, yeah, and I've had a few drinks, so uh, <laughs> if there's a little bit of a lag in my questions, you will know it's got something to do with just just a little bit of a hangover, but, uh, you know, it's, it's all good, and I love doing this, and it's all about healing and helping, plus having a life. So here I am, and I'm doing the radio show, so it's all good. So today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the materialistic ego of the narcissist and how they mine to feed the ego. So within this, we're going to be looking at how narcissists have that insatiable need to mine resources, take over, and to operate through the ego and how damaging that is and what it is about when you're living with that level of narcissistic abuse. And this is really vital information for people to understand what is going on and uh, what you can do about it and, and what to look out for too. I think what's great about these narc, uh, narcissistic central shows is that for people that maybe have, haven't experienced a narcissistic relationship or ones that have, that are out, but are scared of getting into relationships again, it's really, really important to know what to look out for and to know the difference between a great, generous guy who's got his act together or a narcissist 
and what is going to stand out as a narcissist. And I know that certainly was vital for me in procuring the relationship I have now, which is, which is absolutely fabulous. But to be able to purposefully date and to understand who is a narcissist, who's not a narcissist, and how to honour and respect me to be able to uh, have the right person and partner come into my space and to be able to accept that is, is great for when we're trying to create a life of love and uh, deservedness. So, so just to begin, uh, Nguyen, you were saying that you've like, been looking into some definitions of things like power, and possessions and ego and you had some stuff you'd like to share there yes um, Mel I'd like to step back just a second and uh, also wish you a happy 44th birthday uh, and it reminds me of the fact that I was 44 myself when I was separated in my marriage and began this entire journey so hearing that you're 44 wow. really just caused me to step back uh, I've been on my path now for seven years, uh, and I remember uh, thinking in the first year or two when I was going through uh, my cocooning and healing uh, that I was really coming into my own as a woman in my 40s, finally, in my 40s, feeling that I was coming more closely to my truest self than at any other prior point in time. So just a, a small aside uh, in terms of my perspective on tonight's conversation. Um, yes, I did uh, take a step back um, when you said that the show was going to be focusing on mining money and possessions and linking into ego, status, and power. Uh, it's my personal way to go back and kind of define my terms. And so just for grins, I took a look at a couple of American Heritage Dictionary definitions of some of these terms. And I found that their definition of possession focuses on wealth and property, um, the legal definition meaning the actual holding or occupancy with or without rightful ownership. Uh, another definition is a territory subject to foreign control, which was, I thought was kind of ironic. For me, that would be the narcissist. Um, yeah. And another, another quote is, the state of being dominated by or as if by evil spirits or by an obsession. And to that, I just had to wow. put an LOL. I mean, the, the, that was just too funny for words. Um, it they is. Have sports def yeah, they have sports definitions. Uh, one of them is a physical control of the ball or puck by a player or team, um, which to me this might be a male narcissist view from a, a sports or team point of view. And also the condition of being on the offense, which, you know, I, I turned around and said, well, the condition of being actually offensive um, uh, so I thought that was rather ironic. And so then I moved over to their definition of ego, which, of course, is an exaggerated self sense of self-importance or conceit, um, being most in touch with external realities, which I thought uh, played a role in tonight's conversation. Um, and finally, their definition of power, uh, and among them, a person, group, or nation having great influence or control over others and uh, the might of that nation or similar group. And to me, that was reflective of a narcissist's proxies, uh, their society that reinforced their behavior, or any of their court satellite people or representatives that helped them in their mining for money and possessions uh, and reinforced their ego and status and power. So um, I took a look at Absolutely. those three to, to establish a foundation from which to, to jump off um, and thought about these topics uh, in terms of the chronology uh, going through a relationship. And so I'll share with you and some of your listeners uh, some of the first things yeah, that came to mind sure. for me, if, if, if that's okay. Um, so Absolutely. the first topic, would, first topic would be um, compliments. Uh, and this is my, you know, I can now spot a narcissist in two or three sentences. Um, yes. Early relationship communications, uh, especially or relating to or complementing intelligence, professional accomplishment, uh, or earning power. Uh, anything that if you could uh, draw a, 
um, an invisible line between yourself and themselves. Uh, so suddenly anything that they could benefit from downstream um, referred to very early in the relationship. And to give a personal example, um, in the year before uh, my ex and I split, I asked him what, what was the first thing that had attracted him to me uh, and he said to me, well, for number one, uh, I thought you were the smartest woman I'd ever known. Uh, and I thought that that was so ironic to go from having been one of the smartest women he'd ever known to a year or a year and a half later, him treating me like I was literally brain dead. Um, and the, the gross 180-degree turn that that would have required somewhere in his mind. So another... Um, topic that came to mind is the, the topic of travel and shopping, paying uh, notice of a narcissist's tendency to treat him or herself very well during travel. So only going first class, um, only a five-star hotel, only the best meals, only high-end yes. purchases yes. for themselves, uh, and also yes. gift purchases for uh, their family of origin or any of their supply that they consider to be within their immediate sphere, whether it would be clothes or cars or electronic toys or jewelry or music uh, that others might see kind of above and beyond what one could, would consider normal as a gift. Yeah. Um, in, in my case, in in my case, an example would be that, uh, and this is skipping ahead to after the divorce, um, my ex took our daughter on a cross-country travel trip, and she was just six years old. Uh, and I heard later from her that she had sat alone in coach and that her father had moved up to first class. Wow. Yeah, that's and I have a family. I have a family who I have a family member who's a flight attendant, and he just about uh, you know, lost it when I <laughs> when I described that to him as being inappropriate. So um, another yeah. topic, another topic I would say, Mel, would be um, uh, donations uh, publicly or of physical work. So not noticing their lack of a tendency to offer up or donate of themselves any kind of physical labor or donation of their goods or their property really to those in need, um, even doing it anonymously just to help out uh, strangers, um, uh, whether it be um, in a marriage or in a home situation, if they uh, stop cleaning or fixing anything around the home, caring for it, never offering to help neighbors um, or assist strangers, uh, unless someone is watching. Um, another exactly. Topic. And I certainly went through that with my uh, ex-narc, you know, that was because I, I would be astounded at how much he would offer people and do things for people that he got supply from yeah. that would idolise him or tell him it was wonderful. And you're right, it's about the audience, it's about the supply, it's about the attention but I right. remember a gross thing that happened once when uh, we were bowling one night and there was a man there that dislocated his finger. And, oh. uh, and I knew that my ex had the ability, because he'd been in sport and whatever, to pop it back in. And this mm -hmm. man was screaming and in agony and people were running around. And I said, help him, help him. And he looked at me as if I was an alien. You know, because really? these people, he thought, were bogans. I don't know if that's an American uh, terminology, but he thought that they were just deadbeat people, that there was nothing he could get from them. Mm -hmm. So the thought mm -hmm. of him helping this person was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. not, not at the right level of society? Yeah, exactly. And people that he had nothing to gain from. Sure, sure. Um, related to that notion uh, is, is a public donation um, when their name is listed somewhere or where, where, when they can be mentioned at a public or philanthropic event yes. or if they can be seen yes. there. For instance, um, my ex uh, in the earliest months um, of the separation uh, was not paying any kind of support um, and 
in my daughter's life, to my knowledge, he had never donated any money to any charity or to her school or anything. But suddenly, during a time when he wasn't paying support, he became uh, a donor to her school. Uh, and his name was listed, and he was going to events and so forth. And I, I just thought, well, <laughs> isn't this interesting? So, yeah. um, uh, Otherwise, Mel, um, the notion of loans... Uh, their tendency to take money or loans, quote-unquote, whether it's from a family of origin or friends, uh, and ultimately not repay it or even discuss repaying it, uh, in some cases yes, recalling, that it, recalling that there was no agreement ever made, uh, that there was repayment called for, and actually repositioning it or redefining reality, uh, that it suddenly now was a gift. Um, in my, Definitely. In my well, the other thing with that is too is positioning it in a way. Well, the justification I've yeah. done this, therefore they actually owe me that. That's right. That's right. Um, and in yeah. fact, to that example, um, when my ex bought his first home, as we were getting to know each other, um, he mined his entire family of origin and gathered up money from them, some of whom were in less financial position than he was, uh, uh, for the down payment on his house. And I have no knowledge yes. of whether he paid any of them back. Um, yes. uh, aside from a spouse, there's a woman uh, that I have known locally uh, who was also a, a single mother uh, in divorce and trouble, and uh, I thought I had known her, and she was uh, not getting and deadbeat dad and in danger of losing her rental. And so um, I offered her a month of uh, rent when I happened to have it, and she asked for three months of rent. Now, around here, that's five figures. And at the yeah. time, I had it, and I gave it to her, and then suddenly thereafter, for two years, I never heard a peep from her. Uh, and not long ago, yeah. when I requested it back, she actually wrote me that it had been a gift and that I had no reason for uh, wanting it. I had no justification and that because I was going to go and make all this money, which uh, didn't necessarily happen, uh, that I didn't need it anyway. Wow. Yeah. And you look yeah. at the so, lack of integrity in that and you look at the lack of the, the concept yeah. that, uh, that narcs have of entitlement. I'm yeah. entitled. Yeah, very, very strong. So you never know yes. uh, what direction this might come from. It might be a partner. It might be someone you thought you knew uh, or only knew in limited fashion. Um, and and yes. related to uh, to donations and, and work for the public, um, actually the, the topic of physical work. So noticing uh, a narcissist's tendency to let the partner actually do the heavy lifting. Now, I'm not sure if this is a matter of you know, the, the physical size of each relative partner, uh, but whether it's renovating or decorating a house or buying furniture or arranging purchases for kids or even cleaning the garage, washing the cars, you know, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like those things only get done when the partner's physical bulk and strength uh, is involved. Um, yes. It's things that one would say, well, you know, these are not usually things that a woman would do. Um, this individual yes. is very happy to have the woman do completely um, or participate for five minutes and then suddenly leave. Yes. So, yes. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a taking on a full responsibility um, for, I, I almost would say it's a protectiveness thing and, you know, understanding a level of, of responsibility. Um, other than that, the the, uh, the notion of their very expensive taste, uh, a tendency to uh, like or want more expensive or more valuable possessions uh, that are actually owned by the partner, um, suddenly uh, desire for their most expensive antiques, their carpets, their artwork. Uh, at one point through the yeah, course absolutely. of... At one point through the course of my marriage, my ex actually asked my parents for their possessions while he was a guest in their home. Uh, and that just kind of bowled me over. I, I, it never would have occurred to me to uh, do that with, with his family. 
um, simply because they're not mine. Well, I, well um, and with a normal person, that would never. It, it, it's just, you know, and that's the whole thing about narcs when, you know, everybody's with their arms up in the air, and I did it too, and, you know, how can they do that? I don't understand that. And I think that the strong message that we're always trying to get out there is they don't think like normal people, and you really mm-hmm. need to accept that. Well, the notion of... And get your head around me. that. Yeah, the notion exactly. of what's in it for me and what can I get out of it is so it's it's so imprinted at a cellular level that it will come out Correct. even even if you're uh, you know pouring out bowls of cereal and 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 who gets the most and who gets to sit at the best chair yeah. and who gets who gets who gets who gets this notion that they yeah. will always get theirs um, is such a driver. Um, and so, that's that immature part that never grew up of that ego. It, it's that five-year-old child that says, what about me? What about me? What about me? Without conscience. You know, interestingly, Mel, um, I once uh, dated a fellow that I had met online um, for not too long, just a, a month or two, um, and he was from another part of the country. Um, and as we revealed uh, about ourselves to each other, he said to me um, that as he was growing up, he always had to be first in line. He always pushed kids out of the way. Um, he always had to be the winner always. And because I was on my path, because I was on this journey already, and he didn't necessarily know that, um, I was watching these behaviors. I was watching his commentary. Uh, and eventually, after a month or two, things added up and the list was huge and his behavior was becoming much more severe uh, to the point of saying, well, um, I've actually, and he was actually a long-distance relationship. He actually told me on the phone one day, um, I've planted bugs in your clothing, in your closet, as as in, you know, listening and and watching bugs. Uh, And so... It's interesting how small early indicators can be the start of of a whole lot more that's there under the surface. So it's very important to pay attention to the reality of um, uh, a narcissist's early expressions and actually believe what they're telling you um, because they are revealing attitudes and truths Mm. about themselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. and and look, I remember that entitlement thing at the early stages you know, and, and for the most part, it was in that honeymoon stage, I was missing the vital signs and some of them, but I remember one that really, really blew me out was that because he was staying at my house a lot and then one day he just said, you haven't given me a key to your house. So it wasn't about asking or, you know, could I have that and that could be more convenient or whatever. And he was actually incensed that I hadn't given him a key yet. And why hadn't I? And, you know, gosh, no, now with what I know, I'd run it 100 miles in the opposite direction if that came up. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. was a sense of entitlement. Your house is my house. I should have a key. What and a I want severe it, I want you, it now. Yeah, what a severe you owe me statement. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. And it felt really uneasy and it felt very, very violating. And, uh, you know, because I wasn't in my power and I thought I adored and loved this man, I just went and cut a key and gave it to him. Did you ever get it back? Um, Look, I think, well, we'd actually moved out of that house into another house that we, yeah, no. So, I mean, we ended up moving house. So then that wasn't even, you know, Uh a consideration. But, but yeah, uh-huh. you know, and that was just the beginning of all sorts of things. And I know that when it came to, uh, you know, separation and property and all of that, well, then all of a sudden it was all his. Mm-hmm. Everything was his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this brings me to a, a related topic, uh, and that is as things really fall apart uh, in a relationship or in a marriage, noticing that a narcissist uh, stops spending on anything that involves both partners, anything from which the other person could actually benefit. Um, by that I yes. mean dates and events and meals and, you know, dinners out and so forth. 
for example, um, my ex and I did not have a single date our entire last year together, and I didn't figure it out for much, you know, for a long time after we split. Um, I didn't understand why that was happening. Um, he refused to pay for a babysitter, um, and uh, there, it was a time period where there, where there were a lot of strange behaviors coming uh, with increasing speed. Um, and uh, even my comment about food and dinners out, I would apply even to the home. Uh, there was a strange period of two weeks where it was like he was becoming an automaton. He made the same exact meal for us every single night for two weeks. And I'd known him, well, for more years, and this was just, to me, startling and bizarre behavior. The meal was chicken, brown rice, and broccoli. And he made it every week, wow. um, every every night for two weeks. So um, I, I guess I would partly classify that as uh, withholding, sharing of, you know, the physical, uh, tangible enjoyment um, of of the assets of the family. Uh, and uh, that coincides with a selfish need focus um, when things are falling apart in the relationship and when they are severely in need. Uh, and I discovered that in the last six months of our uh, marriage together that my ex had actually rated his own mental health at a 5 out of 10. And I didn't even notice that for seven years until I went back through some documents for um, uh, doing a draft of a book to uh, to see that detail, and I wondered to myself, how could I have missed that seven years ago? When of course I didn't have a clue. Um, mm, mm. Uh, so he was clearly extremely in need, and at the same time he was expecting the partner, which would be me, to pull out all the stops um, to support his efforts in starting a business, and he did not. Uh, give me those same efforts in kind. So he expected me, for instance, to donate our entire house so that he could start a consulting business with partners. They took up multiple bedrooms. They were having meetings in every room of the house. Um, And yet when I went to him, because I had a business idea, he looked at me and said, go apply for a small business loan. Um, and, And that's very, very consistent. It's so it's all consistent. about what can I get, not what can I give. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And in the in the category of, of what can I get, uh, as things really fall apart, um, a narcissist uh, starting to use their joint assets, so if there's a marriage, um, to his or her own specific needs without necessarily telling the partner, um, in which case... Yes, and a lot of that goes on. In, in my case, uh, a couple of examples would be, um, and I, again, realized this going back through notes, in the last six months we were together, uh, he took out a $50,000 line of credit on the mortgage of our home. He said it was for monthly expenses and, I have in notes, to pay for a mistake with a consulting client. And seven years later I found myself thinking, what the heck is that? What kind of mistake yeah. did you make with a consulting client, and effectively, what did he do with that fifty thousand? I have no idea. Uh, and discovering then, um, at that final period of the marriage, uh, during separation, that when bank statements were called for, suddenly there were six months of bank statements missing from that last year of our marriage. I never got them, I never saw them, and I have no idea what went on during that period of time. Um, uh, Actions on their part might include um, shutting off an ATM card, uh, telling a partner that their account would bounce, that there's no money to be had. Uh, And in my case, uh, when I was told there was no money, um, he then went off on a week-long trip to Paris um, on consulting business, quote-unquote, and I discovered several months ago that he had taken $1,000 with him in cash on that trip uh, while we were at home without money for gas or even food for a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, connect, 
which, which leads me to financial or legal, illegal shortcuts, um, which is all about kind of putting their arms out wide and starting the process of gathering all the physical unto themselves. Uh, I discovered months later that he had forged my signature on a uh, joint financial instrument. I believe it was a line of credit. Uh, and I actually saw the forgery. Um, I don't know if the document was ever submitted, um, but I found it after we split. Um, or declaring suddenly that a partner is not part of what was marketed as a joint checking account and then discovering suddenly that you are off the account. Yes, um, yes. Uh, another thing that I went through, um, again, in the category of financial shortcuts, uh, he actually had planned our divorce a year in advance with a friend of his. And so um, by being unemployed uh, as part of the plan, um, he insisted that we needed to sell the house, and so I signed documents um, offering the house for sale, and then within weeks we'd split up and he'd filed for divorce, and of course he had my signature um, with my permission to sell the house. So in the category of um, shortcuts, um, he actually attempted to defraud our home purchasers um, because there was a publicly known product liability payout from a, a lawsuit in our community where they knew that there had been some um, problems with doors and windows in the home. And so we were about to get a large check, and instead of passing that check to the buyers, he wanted to only report to them that one pane at a time had been cloudy. This is in a very large home. Um, and that yes. was alarming to me because it represented uh, stepping into the realm of clearly the fraudulent and illegal, and uh, I stepped up and said I'd have no part of it. Um, and discovered not long thereafter uh, that he had taken uh, my Costco business membership card and had used it three or four times in the course of two weeks to make purchases for himself and I had no knowledge of it. So it was, mm. actually the Cos it was actually the Costco people who informed me, and I had to then take his name off the account. Um, and look, I had a lot of similar things happen, and you know, I work with women almost daily with mm -hmm. narcissistic recovery and settlement staff, and, and it's just such a consistent thing. And I think the thing is, narcissists generally get with women that have high integrity and we believe in uh, trust and all of that yeah. sort of thing, which makes us very available to mine. Yeah. And, you know, for example, my ex-narc, he was um, a par three bankrupt, when, which came out after a long amount of time while we were dating and, you know, together and consolidating our relationship. And we were right in it when that all happened. And then, you know, there was this thing, well, well, I can't have credit cards, I can't do this. So, you know, he became the B card uh, holder and I was the A card holder. And when everything hit the wall... Absolutely. My credit card got maxed out. I got left with the bill. He would do mm -hmm. things like uh, he would go on internet banking. He would siphon my accounts. He uh, forged checks in my mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. There were times when you know he would say, well, I can't afford to pay that bill. Can you cover it for me and I'll pay you the money back? So I'd be writing out checks for bills or it'd be coming out of my account from his business. And not mm -hmm. only was there none of the money paid back, these people would come forward and say that hasn't been paid. So somehow he would be using and taking the money. Um, so he'd that, be liquefying... Were instances, uh -huh. Yes, that money. He'd be liquidating the money they somehow. they getting uh -huh. paid. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there was, uh, you know, just all of that stuff going on and I think it's a really really strong message that you know we need to get out there that you need to be really really sure of who you are tying up your assets and your money and giving um, access to your funds. Well I think a related topic is uh, if this is in the course of, of marriage um, one and, and I have a question about that in terms of your experience in Australia um, 
uh, one of the strongest things uh, that my ex did with me was uh, during the year that we were separated, we had our financial settlement meeting and split the assets. And uh, that was to be arranged in the course of the next two months before the divorce was final. Um, that was in the month of, I think, October. Uh, and in late November, I think, I found a fixer home to purchase. Uh, and uh, my daughter... Uh, knew that I was intending to buy this home and two days later she told me she had gone out uh, with her father and he had bought a townhouse two days later uh, after almost a year and then when I needed to um, arrange the funds to put a down payment to buy this fixer uh, I went to our investment uh, brokerage house where we had an account uh, and I had been in touch with the account manager the very first day that we split, and I emailed him saying we're divorcing and I don't authorize any changes on the account and everything gets gets frozen and so forth. So I went to that globally known branded investment house, and they said, oh, no, no, no. I said, they said, uh, you know, your your ex-husband was here, and he, he emptied out that six-figure supposedly frozen account yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and to to your listeners, where I come from, that's illegal. Um, however, when yeah. I discovered that had been done, um, I simply called him straight up, um, and I said, from my point of view, you're just a simple uh, criminal, and I'm calling the district attorney, and I'm having you thrown in jail, and I'm done. Uh, yeah. And I said, you have you have 24 hours to make this money reappear. Uh, and yeah. magically it did. It did. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I called the district attorney twice and left messages, and they never even returned my phone call. And I discovered through the entire process that essentially because we were still legally married, nobody really cared. That's right. And you know what? Treated as criminal behavior. Yep, yep. And and that was a huge frustration for me, an enormous frustration, and one that really blew me away with the law. Very much exactly the same sort of situations. I used to have things where I was running a centre, a a healing spiritual centre. And Mm -hmm. uh, and my ex would go in there and steal all of my computers. And it was Mm -hmm. best. He would take them out and disable my business. And I had no legal recourse because it was seen as marital joint property and he could do whatever he wanted with it. And that was the huge frustration for me over uh, possessions and over things that were, were vital for me. Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be able to operate and be me, that he could literally just do whatever he wanted and there was nothing that I could do. And and the police would say, get yourself a solicitor. We can't handle this. It's, it's marital. Uh, it's not criminal. And yeah. people need to be very, very aware of that, that if you're with a narcissist, and you know you you are in a de facto or a married relationship with him, that he can go your stuff and he can do things with your stuff, and you're really going to have very very little recourse on that. I was what I would consider to be um, truly myself during the marriage. I was a fully open book person, which is how I've tried to live my life. Um, I was a straight shooting straight-talking American East Coast gal. Uh, And I didn't have a single stitch that I considered to be a secret from him because it would never even occur to me to do so. Um, When when my ex's behavior moved into the realm of the patently white-collar criminal uh, realm, um, it occurred to me that I had no knowledge of what might have been happening through the course of the marriage. Um, and so I had to go back and kind of reassess and, and not assume anymore that I had ever known what truth had been uh, through yeah. the course of our time together. Um, and I discovered that 
I had to be my own forensic accountant. I had to be my own PI. I had to be my own attorney. Uh, and I think with the with the internet, um, uh, I had some some skills to do that from from earlier uh, life's work. Um, but I think with with the internet, I think it's possible to do an awful lot of research. And uh, again, as I've reinforced to to folks on prior shows. The only thing that matters is physical, tangible evidence that you can hold, that you can show, um, and the rest of it doesn't matter at all. So as an example, um, uh, another example regarding property, when things fall apart, uh, my ex declared uh, actually in writing that he didn't want anything from the home. Um, And then within days, I received, I don't know, a six-page list of things he wanted from the home. Yeah. So yeah. so talking out of one side of the mouth and, you know, then acting out of the other side, it, it, it became really quite something psycho to manage. Uh, and as an example, um, he had actually moved some items to his consulting office, uh, which he opened within weeks of our separating, uh, weeks before we separated. And at the time, since I didn't know what was happening, uh, I said, go ahead, take carpets, take some artwork, you know, take the furniture I just bought, whatever, do do whatever's needed. Uh, and then when we split, he insisted on hiring a um, an inventory person, someone who came in and, and uh, a valuation person to go into the house and make a list of an inventory of everything and uh, put on put its worth on there so that we could divide the assets 50-50. And... Um, I don't don't think that this person was instructed to go to his office, so I had to inform the fellow that he needed to go to my ex's office because the carpets were there, and uh, none of those items ended up magically on the first version of his list. So the the message is to be extremely, extremely vigilant um, about the the existence of physical stuff if if you value it. Um, that it can simply disappear uh, and reality can be redefined as if it had never existed to start with. Um, In the category of of, of property, um, my ex uh, was given a five-hour window of time to move out of the house on a Friday afternoon, and he showed up with three people to help him move. Um, And when that five-hour period was up, I returned to the house and discovered that his personal possessions were in almost every single room of the house. Like, and it, it, it was like a you know a dog peeing on a fire hydrant. Um, there was stuff in every closet. There was stuff in every room. There was just stuff everywhere. So I filled 13 large black garbage bags, leaf bags, um, with his possessions and put them outside the covered portico of our home which was in a gated community. Um, and he, um, <clears throat> he told me that if I didn't bring them back into the house, uh, that he would sue me um, and said that he would be by on Wednesday to pick them up. And, of course, Wednesday came and went, and two and three weeks came and went, and he never picked them yeah. up. Um, and eventually yeah. he picked up what he wanted, and the rest of it sat out there for a month, and then eventually I sold it off. So... The, the items eventually were used as pawns on a chess board, and it was just part of gamesmanship back and forth. He wanted an yes. excuse to keep re-entering the house because his attitude was still that it was his castle and that he had all the yes. rights. And, um, yes. like, you know, I was supposed to do the laundry uh, and make his meals, but he was divorcing me, and um, uh, I was actually left... Uh, without a home um, and had to negotiate with the people who bought the house because the school year wasn't even over. He couldn't even wait for our daughter to finish school. I had to negotiate with the purchasers of the home to lease back the property for a couple of months until I could figure out what to do. And I would say our mortgage was above 3000 a month and the yes. buyers of our home wanted to charge me 10 thousand dollars a month in rent and at the time I had no I had no support I had no access to bank accounts I had nothing 
and they yes. wanted to charge ten grand. I mean, talk about taking oh. advantage. So yes. uh, my realtor had to renegotiate with them, and they brought it down to a, a decent level. Um, and then on the day, when the day came that I moved from the home, um, I had a moving van there, and I think it cost me $5,000 to move one mile. Um, and as the moving truck was almost completely loaded, uh, my ex had sent a proxy into our neighborhood um, who trespassed illegally and showed up at my driveway with a truck, got out of the truck, walked through my home on the phone with my ex who was instructing him what furniture to pick up and cart out the door when there was no agreement yeah. and, and no nothing. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think... These are these are warning messages to uh, those in the audience um, uh, who think that you know your your home is, is a safety zone. Uh, you have mm. to re- you have to reinforce that it's a safety zone uh, until it's mm. no longer yours. Because there's there's Absolutely. nothing there's nothing that that couldn't just go poof. Absolutely. And speaking of things going poof, you know, one situation I had when uh, he knew that I was going to leave him, one of the many times that I did, and I went home to a completely empty house. He'd cleared it out that day. Good grief. And I had the incredible shock of walking in and everything was gone. And And including my son. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and, and where I was at, I completely fell apart and I found him and tracked him down and begged him for the stuff back, which meant taking him back. Now, were those your and, own but, personal souvenirs and lifetime possessions? Too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was yeah, clearly absolutely. a strong power position for him. Oh, hugely, hugely, hugely so. And, uh, you know, when things would go down with my son, who is not his son, where he would, uh, you know, times I would leave, he would change locks, I wouldn't be able to get into the house. My son uh, needed his computer for homework. He was in high school. Mm -hmm. And there was no access to that, no access given to that. My Mm -hmm. son wasn't able to submit projects. Yeah, so possessions are a huge way that a knot can wield power. Very much so, very much so. And people, and you're right, the listeners really need to be aware of this because you are so right. When your home is no longer safe and your possessions are not safe, and, you know, in amongst all of that, I was going to the police and trying to get my son's computer out of there, and the police wouldn't act. This is marital. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I so had you a really need to realize. Yeah. Sorry, Del? I had a similar experience here in the States. Police had a very similar attitude. It's marital, it's hands off, and, you know, what can we do? No crime's been committed. That's right, that's right. So you need to realize that when you are dealing with a narc, and the interesting thing is what, how you described your personality where you said you're in integrity, there was no need to hide things or, you know, you had full disclosure. Right. Every woman I know that's with a NARC operates in that way. And the problem is we think that they're going to play fair ball because that's our model of the world. That's our map of the world. But it's not, and and there was one stage where my ex actually said to me, and this was one of the ploys to get me back into the relationship, he said, I know everything I've done to you and the horrible, disgusting things I've done. I'm going to sign the house over to you. And the house was most of my resources, absolutely. That's what I brought Mm -hmm. into the marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was going to sign that over and we were going to start again for that confidence. Now, I never got that in writing. And I mm-hmm. just uh, chose to believe that. Never mm-hmm. got it in writing. And and then when there were discussions down the track, there was always every excuse or justification why it hadn't happened or why it was going to happen. And then all the explosions just began again and it just went out the door. So you can never take anything on, on face value. No. Nothing. No. Everything and has fact, got to be in writing. 
in fact, uh, just as a, as a quick version of an aside, having learned the importance of, of contracts and agreements and, and tangible evidence, I put that to the test uh, with my ex a year and a half ago when I met with him for the very first time alone in six years uh, to talk about a move away, and he agreed to it uh, to my face um, and even made some, some comments uh, reinforcing it. We met two times, and then at the third time, I showed up because I smelled a rat, um, because he was selecting his words so carefully. I showed up with an empty piece of white paper and a pen, and I said, okay, so now we've, we've, we've made these agreements. Let's just, here, here's this piece of paper. Let's just um, make uh, bullet point notes of the high-level areas where we've come to agreement. Let's both initial it, then we can take it to the lawyers and make it official, and then we're all done. He wouldn't even touch the pen. He mm. refused to put anything in writing. He refused to even, at that point, acknowledge that the conversations had happened, that any agreement yes, had been absolutely. made. And, Mel, yes. I was at that third meeting for one and a half minutes. I picked up the paper, I picked up the pen, and I said, that's it, I'm out of here. And I said, I'm never having a meeting alone face-to-face -face with you ever again. Yes. That was the proof. That was all I needed, and I did it as a test. Yes. And so that helps to govern all of my behavior um, around this chapter of um, being divorced and, and separated. Um, so I'm, I'm in complete agreement with your uh, cautionary, cautionary tale. Um, on yeah, the that's topic right. On the topic of property, um, I'd also like to mention uh, focusing on the kids. Um, a narcissist behavior competing uh, over the children and competing with the children. Uh, and, and this is while things are falling apart, I would say, um, if there are kids in the relationship. So, for instance, um, my ex started very early on, and this to me was some of the earliest bizarre behavior, uh, I would go out and buy a dress or an item of clothing uh, for my daughter. And within days, he would have gone and bought the same article. Um, I baked cookies with my daughter. And within days, he was baking cookies with our daughter. I might have taken yeah. her on an outing to a particular location, and he took her back to the same exact location and did what we'd done, only more of it. That yes. kind of so it's that one-up all the time, the one-upmanship, yeah. That's right. Um, in fact, one of the gals uh, from the uh, Web of Narcissism uh, forum, where I'm a member, um, she offered up this story regarding uh, financial competitiveness uh, with a sister-in-law and her husband. Um, the two families competed regarding who had a bigger, better pool. They competed who had, on who had a snowmobile, who had a big screen TV. Someone bought a 25-foot boat. The other one had to buy a 35-foot boat. One family got a horse. The other family had to get a horse. One family got a pool table. The other family had to get a professional-grade pool table. Um, another example from the forum uh, was uh, a husband who had been a business owner and had gone to a business association or organization lunch, and he noticed that uh, even though he had just bought a new Murano car, uh, he noticed that the other business owners at the lunch um, only had BMWs and Mercedes. So within weeks, he went out and bought a $70,000 Audi because he had to outdo the people at this lunch where he had never been a guest before. Um, another example from the forum uh, was regarding uh, a daughter who spent time at uh, another woman's house and the other woman's kids. And there, the other woman's kids' personal possessions were provided for, um, but the daughter's father did not provide her hair products, her toothpaste, her feminine hygiene products, her contact lens solution. He either didn't buy it for her at all or she, he didn't buy what she wanted or needed or what she liked. And eventually the daughter had to sneak things from the mom's house just to have her basic needs taken care of. 
Uh, and to that, I can I can attest all the way through um, this process. Uh, my ex bought our daughter skis because skiing is his favorite sport, and she happens to be a very good skier. But then didn't permit her to take them on a ski trip that I took her on um, because he said that they would be stolen by me and never returned. Uh, so therefore, I had to actually rent equipment for her, and this is now twice that we've gone out to do things. So um, the, the physical, tangible stuff um, can be a subject of competition long after a partnership or a marriage is over. Um, and it can be a matter of, of being a lure, and it can also be used um, as a withholding uh, and devaluing mechanism. Um, uh, attracting kids' attention and loyalty uh, or withholding as a punishment tool. And this can be during a divorce. It can go on for years and years after. So, for example, uh, my ex promised our daughter within weeks of our separation um, that he'd get her a piano and a recording equipment, and none of those things ever appeared. She was given baskets mm-hmm. of gifts when she showed up at his apartment. Um, uh, this really raised raised my ire. Um, she told me that she had a secret admirer at his apartment who gave her, and she was six years old, a plush toy snake. And so it took me a while to explain to her the meaning of being given a snake. Um, There were times through the divorce that he did not provide for her a school backpack, school supplies, clothing. At one point, she told me at his house she'd worn the same outfit five days in a row. Um, He didn't provide her sports or lesson equipment. He didn't provide holiday costumes, summer camp, basic life skill lessons like swimming because he didn't like to swim. Um, so yeah. that list just goes on and on and on and on and on, and that's endemic mm. through the relationships. Mm. Mm. And mm. it is, Even and it's today. classically, atypically narcissistic. Yeah. She came to me a couple of weeks ago. She said that her father had taken her to buy shoes, quote-unquote. She showed up at my home with three different color pairs of the identical brand of running shoes that he wears, and she's not a runner. So as of today, mm-hmm. she doesn't own a pair of leather street shoes. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it is. It's just all about them. It's all about them. So what advice would you give to people? Just quickly, we've only got a couple of minutes left mm-hmm. that are in these sorts of situations. Um, I would say early in a relationship, you're looking for generosity without strings. Um, My experience is that with a narcissist, no gift, no favor is ever done without some kind of puppeteering. There's something attached to it. How true is that? Yeah, there's some expectation that there's going to be payback, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be Mm -hmm. exactly at 50%. Um, So inquiring... Uh, actively is important. I think that would be... that's a great thing. And look, the thing is, it's very. If you suspect that you're with a narcissist, you really do need to research. You need to um, come forward for help, and because otherwise, your life is just mined and stripped down, and you end up broken and empty. And the losses can be absolutely enormous. So that's why this education is really, really important. And thank you so much, New Wings, for the information. It's always fabulous having you on the show, and I'm sure we're going to do many more shows together. And well, thank, thank you, thank everybody, you for listening in. You're welcome. You're welcome, and you have a great night. And uh, for everybody out there, if you want to contact about narcissism or you want to find out more information, there's tons on my website. There's lots of information out there that you can go to. And it's really, really important that you do. And find out how you can recover and reclaim your life back and create a life where you can narc proof it, where you can go forward and really have your deservedness and your needs met in healthy ways by healthy people because... You know, I believe that narcissism is about 16% of the community and that leaves, you know, 84% of people that you can have healthy relationships with. We don't need to do this. 
thank you everybody in the chat room and I saw that uh, you were actually able to uh, work through some questions and answers yourself which is fantastic but uh, look this is all about empowerment and getting healthy and that's what this is all about so we're all in it together and we're here to create a better world without the ego and with uh, authenticity and integrity so everybody take care and thank you for listening to this show And I look forward to you being uh, listeners in more and more shows. So everybody, good day or good night and lots of love and I'll talk later. Bye-bye.